We're looking at finding the collateral beauty uh, during uh, all the guidelines, dealing with all the guidelines and restrictions of this pandemic that we are in the midst of. And today I want to talk about the collateral beauty of generosity. And so I want to thank you as a church, first of all, for your generosity during uh, these last three, four, five months. Uh, giving to the church, even though uh, we were not meeting. And uh, we're thankful that we have a church that's filled with people who give to God and give to the church. So I want to thank you for that. Now, this uh, topic, however, of generosity is not just about finances and money. This week, uh, Elaine and I were sitting in, on our back deck, and I told her, I said, Elaine, uh, I'm speaking this week on generosity I said, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. And I said, who do you know that you would really put into this classification of being generous? Not just someone who gives, not someone who just does a generous gift at a, a certain time, but people that we know that we would really place in that category of being generous people. Now with that, then, we talked about people that we know who are just the opposite of being generous, and they're stingy. Now, as Christians, I think we need to realize that God wants us to be generous people, not just with our, our money, but with our entire lives. And so who do you know that's generous? That it's not just an action and not just that they give to the Lord or tithe, but you would view them as individuals who have a lifestyle of generosity, of being generous. So my wife and I took some time and, and we looked at, uh, you know, people that we know that would fall into that category of really being generous and uh, we looked at uh, our friends and which of our friends would be really in that category of being generous as a whole lifestyle. We even looked at our family. And then we looked at ourselves as well. And then we asked the question, well, why is it that some people are really generous people, their whole personalities, their whole lifestyle, and why are others stingy? Well, I had to put on my psychology hat a little bit and think about that one because that's kind of interesting. You know, why are some people generous and, and why are so many not? And it doesn't depend on how much they have uh, to give. They're just maybe generous or stingy. So when I ask the question, you know, who do you think of? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to say, would people view you as generous or would they view you as stingy? And don't, you know, answer that question right here today. 
Elaine and I thought about one of my closest friends who is now in heaven, and he was a wealthy, wealthy individual, and uh, he was just a tremendous giver to the work of the Lord in so many different ways, but he was just a generous person all the way around, and we would go to different conferences together and tournaments together and golf together, and, and uh, he would actually give me his credit card and say, you set it up. And uh, because I don't want to, I'll pay for it, but I don't want to have to deal with all of the uh, logistical issues. And so I had his credit card. And I remember the very first time I, I met him, uh, I set up a motel for him in the Binghamton area. And boy, I should have checked out that motel because that motel maybe at one time was nice, but it was not nice when I put him there. And after we got to be good friends, he really then went after me about putting him in that certain motel. He explained it to me, and, and I was kind of shocked that it was that bad. And, and I thought, you know, it's, it's a wonder, you know, that I'm still your friend. Well, to make up for it, there were times where, and I remember the first time I, I had his credit card, and we were going to a conference and a golf tournament for the National Christian College Athletic Association. And so I booked the rooms. And, you know, they were all nice rooms, but for him, I, I really booked, you know, the best room in the whole resort. It was expensive. And uh, when we arrived at the resort, you know, we went to his room first before the rest of us went to our rooms. And he had this huge room. I knew how much it cost. And I'm thinking, boy, I hope it was okay to spend that much money. And he walks through the room and he comes over to me. He goes, you've made up for that bedroom you gave me. And he gives me a big hug and he says, thank you so much. And I said, Earl, you're the only person I know who would thank me for spending your money. <laughs> and I really enjoyed doing that. But who do you think of when you think of generosity? Well, today I want to use a character to help us to understand this whole issue of generosity from a Christian standpoint. And you and I need to realize that generosity is, is a virtue. It's the virtue of giving good things to others freely and abundantly. And so it can be an action, as I've mentioned already, or it can be a lifestyle. It isn't just about money, it's about every area of our lives. And so today I want to talk a little bit about a character. We'll do a little character study uh, in uh, the Gospel of Luke chapter 19. Then we're going to talk about what you and I as believers are called to be generous and faithful with. And then we're going to have a little quick conclusion of what God wants us to learn uh, here today. And so I want to ask you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 19. And I want to uh, actually read the first 10 verses. And so here's what uh, Luke wants us to know. And uh, within this, we actually see and, and should be thankful that we, we see the very word of, of the Lord as uh, he speaks uh, as well in this account. And so here's what we read, Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. He entered Jer Jericho and was passing through, 
And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he, back to Zacchaeus, hurried, came down and received him, Jesus, joyfully. When they saw it, they grumbled. The crowd saw it. And they all grumbled. He has gone in to the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. And so the character that we want to do a little study of and focus on the issue of generosity this morning is Zacchaeus. He's the example of going from someone who is greedy to someone who uh, is generous. Now, Zacchaeus is a very popular New Testament character. Um, if you uh, grew up in the church, uh, you knew, especially as a child, all about Zacchaeus. You probably uh, remember the song that we used to sing in Sunday school and in, in children's work about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Now that's kind of the first stanza. Uh, I asked early today, we have a, a prayer meeting with uh, some staff and we go over the service and and so there's people of different ages, and I knew that Larry and I knew that song, but I wanted to know if, if some of the others did. And, and some who grew up in the church, you know, knew that song, and some uh, didn't know it at all anymore, that song about Zacchaeus. In fact, once, uh, you know, the worship team today knew that I was speaking on Zacchaeus, I almost thought they were going to help us sing that song and, you know, do that as a worship song. But, uh, you know, they didn't do that. And so Zacchaeus, though, the, the song itself, I, I don't know, at least one person in our prayer group this morning knew the second verse. The second verse of, of that song goes like this. He looked up, meaning Jesus, uh, oh, and when the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. That's the second kind of stanza to it. But there's a third, and I didn't remember the third at all, but here's the third. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, but a happy man was he, for he had seen the Lord that day, and a happy man was he. 
And so Zacchaeus is a popular figure, especially among children who grew up in church. But Zacchaeus has a lot to teach us as adults as well. And so think about Zacchaeus just for a few minutes uh, and what the scripture wants us to know about him. And so it tells us he entered, meaning Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. And Luke wants us to know that Zacchaeus was uh, a despised man because he was not only a tax collector, he was the chief tax collector. And so he went around and got and collected the taxes, especially of Jewish people, and gave that money to Rome. He became very, very wealthy at this because he took advantage of people. And uh, the tax collectors were, were given a commission. So the more money they collected, you know, the more they were able to keep because they received a, a certain percentage of uh, what they were able uh, to collect. And so Luke wants us to know he was a chief tax collector and he was very rich. He had a lot of money really indicating that he did a lot of things that weren't real good and uh, he, he received a big commission for collecting uh, taxes. Now he was hated uh, not only because he was a tax collector, but he collected taxes from his own people, uh, the Jewish people. And so he was despised. And uh, he was also, we're told, he was uh, small. And so he was seeking to see who Jesus was. He, he had this uh, uh, interest uh, in, uh, you know, seeing who Jesus was and, and hearing him. He had apparently heard a lot about him. And so on account of the crowd, he could not see him, however, because he was small of stature. So how would you like to have a song? that was sung through the ages about you and, you know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Well, if we wrote that song today, we'd have to be careful of saying that. We would probably have to indicate that he was vertically challenged in some way. Um, but he was small in stature. And I remember even as a child and going through uh, Sunday school and, and singing about Zacchaeus being, you know, small in stature and talking about that. And there would be people who would joke about, about it. In fact, you know, there, there were people that would joke about, you know, people's size and, and so forth. And they would even ask this kind of question. It would be kind of a, a joke that maybe, you know, the chairman of our deacons here would probably tell because he's kind of noted for telling jokes that aren't that funny. <laughs> and so, you know, the Sunday school teachers and all would sometimes say this, who was the smallest person in the Bible? And, you know, you'd look and say, I, I don't know, ne you know, Zacharias. And they'd say, no, Nehemiah. You get it? Some of you got it. Nehemiah, Nehemiah. Well, not a very good joke. I'm just imitating, you know, other people. And so here, here's uh, Zacchaeus then. He, he's small of stature. He, he has to climb up in this sycamore tree. R.C. Sproul has a great sermon on why did he climb up into the sycamore tree? Well, we jumped to the conclusion, and it is here in Scripture, that he was small and he couldn't see. But why couldn't he? Well, maybe 
Uh, he climbed that tree. R.C. Sproul says, just because it was there. And some people, you know, you see something, you just have to do it. And maybe he couldn't see, not just because he was small in stature, but maybe he was hated so much that those in the crowd kept pushing him back and back. So they didn't want him in the front where he could see. They didn't want him anywhere near them. And so he climbed up into this sycamore tree. And so then Jesus comes by and there's this divine appointment. Jesus sees him uh, in the tree, and uh, he says to Zacchaeus, come down, and here's some key words. I must come to your house today. And so Zacchaeus came down. Jesus went with Zacchaeus to Zacchaeus' house, and uh, there Zacchaeus had a very personal encounter with Jesus Christ. It was a divine uh, appointment. He was a sinner. He was lost. You see, at the end of this account, Jesus makes sure that we know that he, as the Son of Man, came to seek and to save the lost, and Zacchaeus was lost, and he needed a Savior. So he tells us even in, uh, notice in verse 9, and Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. And so really when Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down for I'm going to your house today. You know what he could have said? I think correct with the text. Zacchaeus, come down for salvation is coming to your house today. See, Jesus isn't just coming as, as a person and, and coming because he is hungry. He's coming as the savior of those who are lost. And I wonder how many here today, how many are listening to us on radio, how many are watching us live stream, realize that Jesus, that salvation has come to your house today. And I wonder if you hear the message of the gospel, like Zacchaeus, do you respond with joy and accept that message? Now, as we go on, I want you to realize, though, that he, has, he responded immediately and, and with joy. And then we come to verse 8, and here's, here's what we want to focus on today. And it says this, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And so the question comes when you look at this verse, when did Zacchaeus say this? Did he say it right in the beginning? Did he, did he in essence have this thought that, you know, if he, if he was generous and if he was concerned about injustices, that somehow he would work his way to heaven? That's not true at all. Jesus never taught that we could work our way to heaven. Zacchaeus, I'm sure, didn't believe at this point when he made this statement that in some way he could right all the wrongs of his past and make it into heaven. I think that we find here, and most 
uh, scholars, New Testament scholars would say that most likely Jesus went to Zacchaeus's house and there they had a, a conversation about the gospel. And Zacchaeus accepted Jesus as his own personal Lord and Savior. Why do we think that? Well, I want you to notice how he begins this even. He says, and Zacchaeus stood, first of all, that, that word stood means that, that he, he, in a sense, came to, to attention. He stood up. He wanted to say something official. And so he stood and he said to the Lord, behold, Lord. And so he's recognizing that Jesus is his savior. And because he is saved, because he is converted, there's a change in Zacchaeus. And the change is that from being a greedy person who's all about himself, he became a generous person. That Zacchaeus, because of his conversion and faith in Jesus Christ, he changes. And the change is that instead of being one who is inflicting injustice on people, he's concerned about justice. And so he tells Jesus that uh, because now you're my Lord, because now I'm a changed person, I want you to know that half of my goods I'm willing to give to the poor. And I want you to know that if I've defrauded anyone, anything, I'm not just going to restore it once or twice. I'm going to make restitution four times of what I stole from people. You see, you, you and I need to realize that when God comes into our lives, when we have an encounter with Jesus Christ, then our response is that we become more like him. And so here with this character, you and I need to realize that generosity is a response from encountering Jesus. And God is the most gracious, generous person ever. And so we know even in the Gospel of John, for God so loved the world that he gave. He was the most generous in giving of his very son. And so this generosity, if you will, is so very, very important. I want you to notice, uh, Larry mentioned it before, that when we really have an encounter with Jesus Christ, that that, that uh, gospel opens our soul, and with it our heads, our hearts, our hands, uh, our homes even, in the, sake, say, in the example here of uh, Zacchaeus. Martin Luther said this, the conversion of a man involves the conversion of the head, conversion of the heart, and conversion of the pocket. It will loosen our hands because when the gospel goes deeper into our souls, it frees our fingers to loosen their grasp on our goods. Martin Luther said that many, many years ago. Well, more recently, a pastor, Kent Hughes, pastored 41 years as senior pastor in College Church in Wheaton, Illinois, said this, there is no such thing as a Christian Scrooge. 
We may know some Scrooges who claim to be Christians, but I don't think you can claim to really know Christ and be a stingy Christian. You see, we didn't see it with Zacchaeus. So what are we called to be generous with? Well, let me just mention five things quickly. I think we are called to be generous and faithful stewards of all that God has given to us. But we're to be generous and faithful with the truth that God has given to us. We're we're to live the truth. We're to be light. We're we're to uh, go and tell others of the gospel. And when we get that truth in us, then really we're to be reflecting the very character and nature of God who is the most generous of all. We're to realize that we're to be called to be generous and faithful stewards of our tongues. James tells us that in chapter 3. We have to control our tongues. Our tongues can get us in a lot of trouble. But when we're good stewards of our tongues, what's going to happen is this. We're going to lavishly praise God and other people. And we're going to lavishly use communication, our tongues, to encourage them. Scripture talks about talents, our abilities, our gifts, and how we are to uh, use those strengths to serve one another. That's what 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 talks about, that we're to use these gifts to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace. We're to be good, generous, faithful stewards of our time. Time is a gift. And of course, in the Old Testament, Psalm 90, verse 12, tells us in kind of a prayer, Lord, teach us to number our days, to make the most out of them. And we all know about treasure because Scripture talks about our treasures as well. And in Mark chapter 10 and verse 17 to 25, there's a rich young ruler who who can't, allow God or anyone to touch the money that is in his hands. But we're to be generous givers. We're to uh, use what God has given to us to honor and glorify him. And so here's my conclusion for you. We could ask a bunch of great questions, I think, today. How generous are you in these five areas? I think, you know, we could ask, are you stingy or generous? Uh, how are you investing these five areas in your life? How, how are you, you uh, profiting even the church in these five areas? Are you reflecting the very character of God? Well, here's the conclusion. We need to emulate Zacchaeus. We need to have an encounter with Jesus if we haven't, and we need to accept him as our own personal Lord and Savior. Salvation needs to come to our house, to our lives. But we need to emulate him because once we encounter Jesus, we need to embrace his generosity. God help us. We might be more like Zacchaeus might have been a wee little man in stature, but a man who shows the transforming power of the gospel that could take someone who was greedy 
and make them generous. Someone who did all kinds of things out of an injustice, selfish way to becoming a person who's concerned about righteousness and justice. 